I say good, you say morning. Good? Morning. I say pastor, you say Mike. Pastor? Mike. So you may have not been able to be on camera, but I guarantee you he heard that. So nice work on there saying good morning to your pastor. Good morning, Pastor Mike. Good morning to those of you who are online. Good morning to those of you that are in the Fellowship Center. I'm glad to be here with you with a little bit more knowledge that I was going to be speaking today than, than last week. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, as a kid, I got to grow up on a farm in the Willamette Valley of the state of Oregon. And one of the things that we did on our farm was we raised livestock, particularly Duroc pigs. So if you've ever seen the red pigs, that's what I'm referring to. And we were kind of on the map because my mom had been runner-up and then state champion with her boar uh, in the early 70s. And so we were there showing livestock one year, and I happened to get to go. Uh, this is at the state fair. And I decided to take adventure through the fairgrounds and just wander off. And before long, I had that realization that I was lost. And even though I was surrounded by a ton of people, I felt totally alone. And I never felt more alone and more just uncomfortable than I had in my entire life. Because I'd never experienced something like that before. And all I wanted to do was to get back to that stall where those pigs were to be able to know that all is well. My brother was there, and I remember there was some man who apparently could tell that I was lost and alone, and he helped me find my way back, and uh, I'm here today still going. So that's, I praise the Lord for that. But you know, many people are co coping with the feeling of loneliness and isolation, and just like I was at the fair, they just want to get back to the pre-COVID days. Have you been there? We just want to return to that. Just, just give me there. It wasn't perfect, but it seems to be better than where it is right now. And as a staff, since March, we've been making phone calls weekly, and some and the elders have helped out with that as well. Uh, and some of those calls, as I've talked to people, I've learned that some people are feeling lonely. And some people who live alone are feeling even more isolated than they have before. And so as we're continuing in our series today of COVID recovery, I want to talk about the subject of loneliness. And what I learned about loneliness is this. It is not new because of COVID-19. It's not new because of COVID-19. And the data says it's been an, actually an epidemic. And it's probably going to continue to be an epidemic here in the States beyond, say, a vaccine comes and we're all better with covid so it led me to ask the question, how is COVID-19 impacting America's loneliness epidemic? How is it impacting that? And I came across a Time Magazine uh, article from May 8th of this year entitled this, COVID-19 is making America's loneliness epidemic even worse. That's the answer to our question, how is COVID-19 impacting America's loneliness epidemic? And what I did was I put up, I want to put up three charts for you just to kind of highlight a snapshot of what this article shared. And the first uh, snapshot was the share of American households with just one person that has been rising for the past 50 years. So we're in a country that has an increasing amount of people that are living by themselves. And it's been going on that way and increasing that way for the past 50 years as the chart shows. The second chart I thought was interesting is this, the share of Americans who reported being lonely in 2019. So this is pre-COVID, right? 
The share of people feeling lonely. I thought it was interesting. If you look at the top part, it's about the generations. And Generation Z, 18 to 22, despite all their social activity, social uh, you know, connection, they identified as being the most lonely, the most isolated, even though they're theoretically connected. And then you look at the silent generation, they felt the least lonely. thought that was interesting. Then the next section is income, but then the next section is living status. In other words, how did those people feel in 2019? And of the 69% people, uh, people are living alone, they said they definitely felt more alone. I thought what was interesting in this chart, though, is the next section is living with another person. It's 51% feel alone or 40 being lonely. And then those living with two others. So they're not alone in their household that was 65%, not much different than those living by themselves. I just thought that was interesting, and I also thought it was interesting how males are feeling more alone than women. Hence, we go back to Genesis 1, and we go, it's not good for man to be alone, right? The last one chart I just close with this is those feeling more lonely because of the pandemic. So now we take into the factor of 2020. And as we see there, the first uh, section on that chart is the darker, is the always or often, the second, the red, uh, is sometimes, and then the, the gray is never. And again, I'm just looking at that, males uh, in, the, in this sense are, are there again and how they're feeling, but look at the generations as well. Now what we see is we see an increase at the very bottom of the boomers. Those 55 to 75 are feeling more lonely because of the pandemic. So again, you can go on to... Uh, to Time Magazine and search out this article, but I just thought it was interesting just to kind of give a snapshot of what our world is dealing with in light of COVID-19. And then I started thinking, well, how are people dealing with loneliness because of COVID-19? What, what are people doing? What's going on with that? And I came across another article that I thought was interesting. This is from the Washington Post dated August 12th, 2020, so just a couple months ago, and this is what they said. Title of, the mess, or of their article, Dog Adoptions and Sales Soar During the Pandemic. Shelters, rescuers, and breeders report increased demand as Americans try to fill voids with canine companion. Let me just take an excerpt from the article. What began in mid-March as a sudden surge in demand had, as of mid-July, become a bonafide sales boom. Shelters, nonprofit rescuers, private breeders, pet stores, all reported more consumer demand than they were, had dogs and puppies to fill. Some rescues were reporting dozens of applications of individual dogs. Some breeders were reporting waiting lists well into 2021. Americans kept trying to fill voids with canine companions, either because they were stuck working from home with children who needed something to do, or had no work and lots of free time, or felt lonely with no way to socialize. And in the picture there is Eloise Nerlens, who's 11, who they went out and paid a lot of money for their toy poodle. And then the next picture is River. River lives across the street from us. He's our neighbor's dog, Dave and Diane. And I was talking to Dave yesterday. He says, yeah, we felt kind of alone. They had had a dog that they put down earlier this year. And he said, yeah, we were looking at one another, kind of going, 
Okay, I don't know what else to say to you. <laughs> Let's get a dog. So they have River, and my kids are quite excited about this miniature Australian shepherd that has come to live across the street from us. As I looked at this further, I don't know if you've noticed this, but have you seen this hashtag? Hashtag alone together. How many of you have seen that? I don't know about you, but it seems like a lot of people are feeling the alone and not the together. Would you agree? I mean, the data seems to show that. That's what I'm seeing here. And so as we look at this subject of loneliness today, I have two key questions I just want to present to you and do my best to answer through Scripture. Who best understands loneliness? That's question one. And then how can we overcome loneliness or help others overcome it? So who best understands loneliness? We have a Savior who does. We have a Savior who does. And I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And we're going to be in verses 32 to 42 this morning. So take a moment, pull out your Bible, pull out your notes if you don't have them. We have notes in our app, notes that are there. And then uh, hopefully you've got a Bible in front of you on your phone or you actually brought one. So Jesus, I want to submit to you, can empathize with the feelings and pain of loneliness because he experienced it. Let's look at Mark 14, beginning in verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, this is the disciples, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh, it is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is to be traded into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Jesus, I thank you for willing, being willing to go to the cross. And Lord, we're going to remember what you did at the cross here right after this message as we go into our worship set of music and we take the time to have communion. And Lord, this is setting that up and it's a remembrance of that. But here today, God, we just want to look at this topic, the subject of loneliness. It's an epidemic in our country, even more so now with this virus. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage people who are here that are feeling lonely. Maybe there's those that are around us that we could search out and let them know that we care. So guide and direct us through your word here as we look at these verses and then how we can take and overcome and help others overcome loneliness through what you've given us and some remedies we find in your word. Guide and direct our time now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Jesus has had the Passover meal. That's what's already happened in the cycle of these events of the last few hours of his life. Uh, he's been in the upper room, and that's where they had communion. We're, as I said, going to have communion in a little bit. So after the meal, Mark 20, 14, 26 says they sang a hymn, and they went out and to, went to the Mount of Olives, which means they would have trekked through their way through Jerusalem from that upper room, they would have come out to the east side of Jerusalem and gone down into the Kingdom Valley and on their way up to the Mount of Olives. But before they get there, they're going to come to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where this place takes and happens here is our scene as the cameras, if they were there pointing at it, would show us. It was a garden-like enclosure as they get there. It's a secure spot. And this particular place was a famous spot that Jesus took his disciples they knew this area well these past three years of being with him. And you know who also knew this? Judas. Because in the following text that we're not going to look at today, Judas comes to this exact spot knowing like, hey, he'll be here with us. He does this all the time. And that's where they're going to be and that's where they find him. Jesus instructs his disciples to stay where they are at near the entrance to pray. But he singles out Peter, James, and John. I like how Greg Laurie puts this. He says, I don't know if those were because they were his best friends or because he felt he needed to keep an eye on these three. <laughs> Whichever it is, there they are with him. And, and he's there. And further into the garden, Mark tells us Jesus began to be greatly distressed and troubled. We're getting a picture, we're getting transparency of what our Lord is dealing with. Distress is to be alarmed. Troubled, it means to be in anguish, extreme anguish. And that's because the cross is before him. We, we recognize that. We can see that. We have a greater uh, flyover to be able to see all that's unfolding here. And verse 34 affirms Jesus' humanity. Look back at verse 34 here in Mark chapter 14. And he said to his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Even to death. Sorrowful. Feeling death feeling all that's going on that's about to happen for him. The soul is the inner conscious of life. The sorrow that's speaking here could be translated grief. So he's feeling grieved by this. Which, just stop for a second. Have you ever felt distressed and sorrowful and kind of wondering, where is this going? That your soul is, a, is aching well, we have a Savior who's been there and knows that, and he knows what you're going through or have been through. We have a Savior who understands that. Verse 35, it says, he fell on the ground and prayed. This is interesting because Jewish uh, prayer customs or practices, you didn't go to the ground. You actually stood up and you looked at heaven and you raised your hands. That was the customary way of, of prayer. Not all prayer, but much of prayer was, was done that way. And so this is something that's significant. Something else that's significant is verse 36. He says, Abba, which is Aramaic for father. Again, going back to Jewish customs and prayer, they would address God as father, but not Abba. That wasn't part of their vocabulary for addressing God in prayer. So what's my point? Jesus' use of Abba in his prayer to address his father and to do so from the ground as opposed to up is very unique. It's not normal. This gives us a picture of the soul that our Savior is feeling, the distress, the sorrow, if you will, the loneliness that is on him right now. 
And he prays this prayer three times and it indicates the depth of closeness he seeks now with his father. Why does he pray three times? Well, a couple of reasons, I think. One is the cup. In that cup represents human uh, uh, suffering. It represents death. It represents in that cup God's wrath for sin that's going to be put upon him. Why pray three times? Well, I think another reason is Jesus knew and he knows he'll be separated from his father. Do you realize he's never had that experience before? This is the kind of loneliness he's about to endure for you and for me. That's about what's about uh, to happen. And so here he is, he's there, and after praying to his father for the first time, Jesus gets up and returns to Peter, James, and John, who he had brought with him. So he's feeling pretty alone at this point. He's feeling isolated. He's distressed. And so it's understandable that Jesus might want to seek their comfort, seek their friendship. And since the Passover is happening, the Jewish custom is celebrating the Passover. It means you stay up late, past midnight. And most scholars look at this time frame right here because it's between 10 and 11 at night. Take it even more further out. It's at least before midnight. And this is the Passover and it's the customs and you're staying up late. So he's expecting to find them awake. It's the Passover for crying out loud. And he's prayed, he's given them instructions for prayer. Look back at verse 37. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Expecting to find them awake, right? It's the Passover. We don't go to bed early. And he calls out, Simon, that's his pre-disciple name to get his attention, and I'm sure it did. I don't know about you, but maybe you felt alone and those around you were fully unaware of that. Maybe in this case, maybe seeming to be asleep, figuratively or literally. Jesus understands what that's like. We have a Savior who understands what that's like. We have a Savior who on this night recognizes how alone he's about to become. To counter this, Jesus gives the disciples a simple personal prayer request. Look at verse 38. Simple prayer request that Jesus gives them. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but this flesh is weak. What's the temptation? The temptation is to abandon him. The temptation is to leave him. If you look up in Mark 14, 27 to 30, 31 in the upper room, he gives them that instruction to saying, hey, you're all going to desert me. And they all say, oh, no, no, no. We'll never do that. We'll never leave you alone. And yet he's saying, watch that you're not tempted to do this. And they all claim that they have never leave Jesus. But as Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You get down to verses 39 to 41 to tell us that Jesus prayed for the cup to be removed, not once, not twice, but three times. I just bring that out real quick just to say, for those that are out there in the world religions that think, oh, there's many ways to God, then why did he pray three times for there to be another way? And for our blessing and our benefit, that prayer was not answered. <laughs> Christ is it. He is it. If there was another way, there, God would have offered that, but he doesn't. 
So Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to fulfill what his father sent him to do. So here he is in Gethsemane, and Jesus meets the dreadful silence of the night. There's no reassuring voice from heaven from the Father saying, this is my son whom I love. There's no dove descending. There's no ministering angels coming around him to encourage him. He is all alone. At midnight, all Jesus' disciples finally wake up. This is interesting to me in the story. But why now? So that they can flee They wake up in time to get out of there, to leave Jesus alone. In the darkness of night, Jesus is left alone. In the darkness of night, Jesus is abandoned by all. In the darkness of night, Jesus is condemned on a Roman cross. Jesus understands what it means to be lonely, to feel lonely, to feel isolated, to feel like no one's around and no one cares. So that's Christ. Which leads me to this second question for today. How can we overcome loneliness and help others overcome it? How can we, if we are feeling lonely, how do we overcome that or work towards that or help others overcome it? Well, I want to submit to you is obviously it's going to be through Christ. It is going to be in Christ. And so it is through and in our Savior, Jesus Christ, that God has given us four primary remedies Let me offer these to you this morning. The number one remedy is the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in John 14, 26 that the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our remedy. Jesus says in John 14, 27 that the Holy Spirit provides us with peace. Peace to overcome a lonely heart. I think one of the greatest blessings of having the Holy Spirit is that he is always present. The Holy Spirit is always present. Jesus reminds us this in Matthew 28, 20, that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. This is for believers who have the Holy Spirit within them. Another great blessing of the Holy Spirit provides us is that he is our source of comfort. He is our source of comfort. When we're feeling isolated, when we're feeling no one else knows or understands he is one, the Holy Spirit, that can give us that comfort. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says that it is through Christ that we share abundantly in his comfort. So the first remedy I just want to share with you, how do you overcome loneliness or help others overcome it? God's given us the Holy Spirit. It's there to be present, and it's there to give us comfort. A second remedy is Scripture. We kind of knew that was coming, right? Scripture. How do we navigate through the feelings of loneliness? How do we navigate through helping others that are dealing with loneliness? How do we do this? It's through scripture. I love Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, you're lost without scripture. Like a kid at the state fair, you are lost and alone and on your own, not knowing how to get back home. So God's provided a scripture as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. When you turn to scripture in your loneliness, you will find that it provides you with encouragement. It provides you with encouragement. Romans 15, 4 says about scripture, it was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Does that sound like a memory verse we've had earlier this year? 
You're like, yes, yes, it does, because it is. This is hope in a lonely world. You see, when you turn to the scriptures, you discover it provides promises. Promises that you can rely on and depend on. Promises that remedy loneliness. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, All the promises of God find their yes in him. I love that verse. One of the things that we have here when we are not having to fully socially distance and can touch and all that is those who come for the third time as our guests get this book, God's Promises and Answers for Your Life. I cannot imagine going through life without something like this at my fingertips. So much so that every single morning I read a verse of the day that comes up on my phone and I read a Bible promise of the day. Before I go into our personal time with God that, that Matt has been writing and now in the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a book of promises, come see me afterwards. I have some copies and I'll distantly give them to you so you can have this. I, I, I'm serious. I don't know how you can go through life without God's promises to rely on. They provide us with encouragement and the promises of God find their yes in him. A third remedy primary remedy that can help us overcome loneliness and help others overcome it is through worship. It's through worship. Did you know that God accepts your worship on other days and other times than Sunday mornings? Did, did you realize that? You know that, right? Are you thankful for that? Last, last night, I told my daughter, grab your phone. We're sitting out front in our driveway for trick-or-treaters, and the sun is setting in the cloud the way they're, oh, man, it was amazing. I'm like, look at what God's doing right now. Get the phone. Take a snapshot of it. Because you can worship at any time. That helps alleviate that sense of just being all alone. King David, who experienced the feeling of loneliness, who turned to the Lord in worship, if you go to Psalms 5, 1 through 3, Maybe you're like me in your college group and ministry that you sang Psalm 5, 1 through 3. It's, it's a song. It's a psalm, but it's also a song that you can sing. Do you know that you can go through Scripture and sing it? As a camper at Human Lake Christian Camp, I remember singing Romans 8, 38, and 39. I remember that. I'm like, oh, we're singing Scripture. What a concept. That's still with me today. If you're feeling alone and isolated, then worship the Lord through music. Worship the Lord through music. Colossians 3.16 instructs us to sing. Let me just say this. If you don't have a singing voice and you're alone, let her rip. (laughs) Bring it up to the Lord. Let him minister to you through worship. If you're feeling alone and isolated, I want to encourage you to worship the Lord through prayer. It's a remedy that he's given us. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, Jesus is saying here, Come to me with your loneliness. Come confidently. Find mercy. Find my presence there. The fourth and final primary remedy 
that God gives us to help us overcome loneliness and help others overcome it is his church. It is his church. Let me try this again. I gave you kind of a, 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 an opportunity to do this earlier. I say Grace Hills, you say church. Grace Hills? Church. Grace Hills? Church. Did you notice that the walls didn't say anything? But what do we often think of? We think of often, I think, growing up as a kid of, of a building. But the building can never respond back to that. Only you, God's church, can do this. And he's put it in place as a remedy to help us overcome loneliness. He's put it in place to help us be able to serve others. Hebrews 10, 25 tells us that Grace Hills Church to stir one another love, to love and good deeds, to encourage one another. Here it comes again. You ready? 1 Peter 4.10 informs Grace Hills that we are all gifted. When you receive the Holy Spirit, God gifts you to be able to serve the body, to serve the church. And he commands us to use our gifts to serve others. So maybe you're here today and you're not feeling lonely, but others are. So pray for others. Pray for others. James 5.16 says prayer is powerful. It's mighty. It is effective. Maybe you're here and you're not feeling lonely, but others are. So I say serve others. Serve others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 speaks and reminds us to be others-centered as Christ was. So it led me to ask this question here with this point on his church. How great is the need for Grace Hills Church to pray for others, to serve others? And with that, I want to have Jeannie Williams, our congregational care director, come up and just show you, tell you how you can serve others Pray for others, both inside this church and outside this church. Jeannie? Thank you, Pastor Bill. Uh, most of us have experienced loneliness, as Pastor Bill said, at some time in our lives. Um, Pastor Bill has asked me to suggest ways that you can reach out to others who are lonely during this COVID season. The first thing is write a note, a card, an email. Okay, just knowing that someone is thinking of you and praying for you during times like this when you're isolated and lonely can encourage you. Okay, who can you write to? There's probably someone in your life that you can write to or send an email to. It can be an older adult or it can be a young person, a young couple that's, that's working at home and raising children or a single mom or, or someone who's in school and, uh, and trying to, to do school online. Um, if not, uh, if you can't think of anyone, then just write on your, on your response card, note, and I will give you the name of someone that you can write a note to who will appreciate it. The second way you can reach out to people is to make a call. Okay, a call is better than a card even because it's two-way communication. Many people are living in residential care homes in just one or two rooms now, and they've been isolated for up to eight months. They've been, all they've been able to do is eat, watch television, read, and sleep. Okay, just being able to talk to someone and hear about the outside world is a blessing to them. If you don't know anyone who needs a call, just write phone calls on your response card, and I will give you the name of someone, and you may well strike up a friendship with them and get to know them. 
Okay. The third thing is make a delivery. Okay. Did you know there are over 6,500 older and disabled adults in sealed nursing and residential care homes just in Orange County? Uh, that is, and, and they'll receive no gift at Christmas this year. That is, unless they get one from the Council on Aging. Um, that's why we at Grace, Church, Grace Hills have so far donated 14 blankets at the cost of $10 each to the Council on Aging for gifts to these lonely people. If you want to donate, I will be collecting $10 for a blanket in the Fellowship Hall after the service. Um, finally, see, there is another way you can donate. You can become a Meals on Wheels volunteer. Um, it only takes one or two hours a week, and Meals on Wheels is very careful about protecting their, their volunteers from COVID. If you're interested, write Meals on Wheels, and I'll hook you up with them. I hope these ideas have helped you in ways to think of ways that you can share Jesus' love with people around you. Uh, I'm sure you have ideas of your own and know of people that, that are lonely around you, maybe a neighbor. So I'll just close by quoting Hal Lindsey, who said, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Jesus offers that hope, and we're not meant to keep it to ourselves. So let your light shine and love one another. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Jeannie. Here's your notes. So, so with that, did you catch that? It's in your notes there. I put it for you. Make a note. You can write a note. I've seen my wife doing this the last several months. And it's like, what are you? Oh, you're writing another note. I get it. Make a call because your smartphone is smart enough to make phone calls too. And make a delivery. Flowers, groceries, a blanket, something to give to somebody. Let me close with this verse. Matthew 5, 16. Jesus reminds us that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It reminds me of a story uh, right after World War II. There was a soldier coming around the corner in London, and it's a little bit more recovered there in that section. And he sees this little boy at the face, his face planted against the window of a pastry shop, and then inside there's a baker. He stops the Jeep and goes up to the kid and says, would you like something from him? And he says, oh, yes, I would. And he goes in there and gives him a bag and says, here you go. And he goes to leave, and the kid says, mister, are you God? You see, when Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven, that's what he's talking about. Feeling lonely? Please share. Please let us know that. We have a Savior who cares and understands you. Go to him today. Want to help serve and feeling those feeling lonely? Then please serve. Be the light. Be like the soldier. Be Christ to those around you. Father, I thank you for your word and this opportunity to share it. And Lord, I just thank you for the hope that you give us in you. Lord, I just pray if anybody's here today and they're feeling alone and isolated and that, Lord, that they would seek you out first. And that, Lord, we as a church would be able to provide that encouragement as well as one of your remedies. Father, thank you for uh, this time together. Thank you for what Jeannie shared. God, may we respond to it, not with just another message that we heard, but a message that, that we took and we did.
I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before they were in that garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was feeling alone, we find further up in a few verses in Mark 14. And Mark writes it this way. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said to them, this is my body. And he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And so as we come today and have this time of communion with our prepackaged communion cups and the goofiness of that that we're living in right now, just know that we have a Savior who didn't leave you alone. He went to the cross so he could be with you and you with him forever. So as you go to him now and reflect on the music we're about to sing and have that time, search your heart, see if there's any iniquity there, confess it, and then just thank God that he's the God who understands loneliness. He's the God who is there with us always. God bless our time now as we commune with you through communion, through worship, the conclusion of this service. In Jesus' name, amen.